ATN. Connecting for positive change. Welcome everyone to the fifth episode of the Battery Cafe, focusing on solutions for off-highway vehicles. I'm Nicoletta Pipridu from the Clean Energy and Infrastructure team at KTN, hosting today's episode alongside my colleague, Sheena Hindocha. Hi, Sheena. Hi, Nicoletta. Hi, everyone. It's great to be back. Uh, Sheena Hindocha from KTN's Chemistry and Industrial Biotechnology team. Thank you. And uh, the Battery Cafe is an initiative of the Cross-Sector Battery Systems Innovation Network, a community funded by KTN and the Faraday Battery Challenge. The Innovation Network aims to open new markets for the battery industry, promote innovation in batteries and help decarbonize a wide range of end users. If you haven't already, please go check out our online platform at ukbatteriesnetwork.org. You'll find lots of useful material and our first four episodes on investment in batteries, battery recycling, market trends for solid state batteries and EV fire safety. Today with us, two very special guests, Steve Abbott, Business Development Manager at Hyperdrive. Hi, Steve. Hello. Yeah, I'm, my name's Steve Abbott. I'm Business Development Manager from, for Hyperdrive. Uh, been with the company around seven years, and in that time, uh, we've grown from uh, an engineering consultancy to a volume manufacturer of lithium-ion battery systems. Uh, Off-highway is, is a key area for us, so hopefully I can bring some insight uh, from some of the work we've done. Thank you very much. And John Regnant, Automotive Trend Strategist at the Advanced Propulsion Centre. Hi, John. Hi, Nicoletta. Thanks for having me. So uh, my name is John Regnant. I'm Automotive Trend Strategist at the Advanced Propulsion Centre. I've been there for about six years now. Um, and my job really is twofold. One is to look after the Automotive Council roadmaps. Uh, so that's looking at different products like cars, buses, but also off-highway vehicles and heavy goods vehicles, uh, and also the technology roadmaps, so batteries, motors, power electronics, and they feed into the product roadmaps. And my second role at the APC really is understanding the supply chain for next generation technologies and really where are attractive places for the UK to invest in. So really pleased to be on the show today to talk about some opportunities and, and trends in the off-highway sector. Thank you very much, John. Uh, so everyone, please make yourselves a coffee and join us. Today, we're talking about um, battery solutions for off-highway vehicles. Uh, John, can you give us an overview of some of the challenges associated with off-highway and the sectors where this is the biggest issue? Yeah, so I'll kick off. So um, the first challenge is sort of uh, the term off-highway itself is kind of a catch-all term for such a diverse range of products and all the different niches within such a broad catch-all. So you've got small forklifts and diggers that can run off sort of 48-volt systems right through to massive mining equipments with hundreds of kilowatt-hour batteries and operate over a 1,000 volts. And I think due to this divergence, most vehicle classes are produced under the off-highway cluster tend to be really low volumes. So a big challenge is being able to source sort of the powertrain components and batteries included that at an affordable price. Yes, we see battery prices declining by you know 90% since 2010, but that's really only available to the large volume passenger car OEMs. For the smaller players in the off-highway sector, they can't get access to that kind of cheaper batteries. 
Um, but there is early evidence that some of some of the battery types of these uh, off-highway machinery is going down. And probably another big challenge I'd like to talk about is just the total cost of ownership as well, is that when you buy a passenger car, it's always about the sticker price that you're worried about. The economics is different when you look at off-highway vehicles because primarily they're a workhorse. So they do a job. They don't move people from A to B. So therefore ensuring that off-highway vehicles are cost-effective to run as possible and can generate a revenue in the same way as the ICE technology, I think is essential challenges to overcome. That's super interesting, John, that difference between the passenger vehicle market and that off-highway market is is really interesting. Thank you. So, Steve, as a solution provider working in this space, can you take us through some of the potential solutions that can be applied um, and potentially address the challenges that John's just mentioned? Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree uh, with all of those comments, really, that the, the diversity, the the low volume nature of things and, and the, the emphasis on, on cost ownership. Um, I suppose what we've done is, as Hyperdrive, we, we've always focused on being able to provide something that's better than a traditional engine um, rather than just more envi- environmentally friendly. Uh, so that kind of focus on business case and total cost of ownership and understanding the costs of ownership, which vary uh, quite significantly depending on where the batteries are being used and where um, and how they're being used in terms of the duty cycle. So what we've done is we've we've been working with some off-highway off machinery and vehicle manufacturers. Um, most have got relatively low volume, so it's not mainstream automotive volume, but they've also got the challenge that they've got other machines in the same range. So they really are looking for standardization in, in a relatively non-standard world um so what we've done is we've we've developed something uh in the midground where it's a it's an off the shelf it's a universal modular battery system which comes together uses the best automotive uh battery cell technology and means that customers can adopt that knowing that it's based on proven technology uh this means that we can and where we've been successful we we can offer economies of scale um, we can take away a lot of the engineering development and kind of lower that investment barrier for the for the customer, because even though the environmental legislation, um, to a, a lesser or greater degree, depending on the market, is is driving demand, is driving the change, there does need to be the business case for it, and that's that's only where where they will succeed and where we will succeed. Um, we have also. Um, for companies, so even very established um, engineering businesses and manufacturers, this is all very new to them. So they've got teams of uh, mechanical engineers um, and really the electrical and the electronics side of things has been relatively new. So we have um, put our team into uh, projects working very closely with customers to to really prove concepts and to get machines up and running to really show their customers that it is possible to 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 not just equal the performance but better the performance to sell that machine into the market that's great and it's really key i guess to show and demonstrate that that technology those technologies work in those different challenge environments nicoletta so we recently delivered a webinar and workshop on the top this topic uh within the innovation network can you tell us some about some of the key findings from that activity 
Yes, thank you, Sheena. Uh, that was a great activity. So a few weeks ago, we held a webinar and a workshop jointly with the Hydrogen Economy Innovation Network. And we brought together challenge holders from the construction, agriculture and defense sectors, as well as solution providers, both from the batteries and the hydrogen sectors. And it was really nice to work all together on this. So for anyone who's listening in and missed the webinar, you can find the recording on KTN website. Uh, during the workshop, lots of interesting points were raised, similar to the points that John and Steve raised. Um, so we looked at the technical challenges, infrastructure requirements, the need for more energy-dense batteries, next-generation batteries, etc. We also looked at non-technical challenges, such as business models and the role for behavioral change. And we tried to map the innovation activity and gaps where further support is needed, so such as a portable charging capability outside of automotive, modular systems for heavy equipment, hydrogen or battery, and the need for retrofit and conversion demonstrators. Um, we will be circulating the outputs through our newsletter, so please do sign up to see all the outputs from that work. And uh, John, um, a question for you. Um, APC recently launched an off-highway and heavy-duty roadmap. Can you tell us a little bit more about the key highlights from that? Yeah, sure. So um, the off-highway and heavy-duty roadmap is basically uh, heavy-duty vehicles over three and a half tons and off-highway vehicles across a broad uh, weight spectrum. And really, this roadmap puts the energy versus power demand central to how it's constructed. So there's three distinct clusters of off-highway vehicles that we've defined. So the first is urban services and lower powered off-highway vehicles. So these vehicles that have a smaller power requirement, like maybe a forklift or a small electric digger, like the one JCB uh, produced a few years ago, they may also operate under restricted access, so either in an air quality zone or indoors where it's a bit more hazardous to run an ICE engine. So in terms of battery technology, we feel that this cluster is where battery technology is likely going to be adopted first with technology transfer over from high volume automotive. So expect things like lithium ion phosphate or some NMC to start replacing the ICE or lead acid batteries. Um, but in recent, I've read recently that some technology companies like Natron Energy are looking at using sodium ion, which are high-powered sodium ion for material handling equipment. So that's an interesting thing to watch out for. And then the second category of vehicle is long-range and high-powered off-highway vehicles. So these vehicles need to traverse long distances or work for very long periods of times. So the types of vehicles here are like backhoe loaders, large excavators, perhaps mining equipment that aren't tethered and are away from an energy infrastructure. So we think BEVs and fuel cells for these will be likely dedicated platforms that are custom built for kind of that application and for batteries to provide the sole propulsion for that. It'll have to be advanced lithium ion chemistries or even next generation cell chemistries will be needed. Um, and even for those applications that could transition to fuel cells, you're still going to need a high power battery or an ultra capacitor to manage the peak demands of power for a few seconds or minutes as well. And then the third category of vehicle is something that we call external energy source. Uh, and these can be across many power levels, but the unique thing about this category 
is that the vehicle has a dedicated energy source on site that's required for them. So to give an example, these solutions could be quite niche. So it can be farms using excess farm waste to create biomethane to fuel tractors. So it's closed loop fueling. Uh, there's an APC project actually looking at um, biomethane tractors with CNH, but also tethered mining vehicles as well that uses the electricity grid from a local mining operation. And it's sort of got an umbilical cord that attaches to the vehicle. It has a high powered powertrain as well. Um, so what distinguishes this category from long range high power is the fact that um, it's it's the onboard energy storage of these is significantly lower because it relies more on a energy infrastructure around it. Um, another highlight of the roadmap, which was interesting to me, especially in the uh, context of off-highway, is also powertrain system efficiency from the perspective of the hydraulic systems as well. So you can replace you know, an engine system with a BEV system or a battery or a fuel cell, but the hydraulic systems that you know do the lifting and, and, and the work, the way they're currently manufactured is quite inefficient and you lose all the efficiency you gain from electric motors and batteries. So new novel uh, sort of hydraulic systems. And there's another APC project called The Displace that's looking at novel hydraulics uh, systems to improve efficiency radically uh, with Danfoss and Artemis. So again, these are some of the things that, you know, uh, come out of the roadmaps. Thank you very much. Excellent highlights. And Steve, are you able to tell us about some of the off-highway projects you and Hyperdrive have been involved in? Yes, definitely. Uh, what, what's been quite nice just thinking about this question um, is that Hyperdrive, we've, we've actually been quite flexible. So we've, we've been in production uh, of, of battery systems for probably the last five years or so. And we've had to be quite flexible because we noticed that larger companies, whilst the, the end kind of reward might be quite big, they do tend to move quite slowly. Uh, so we, we needed to build a, a manufacturing facility which, which to get the economies of scale, which served a wide range of markets. So we've got a really nice mix of um, what you might call kind of new technology disruptors, um, big, uh, bigger multinationals who are a bit more um, staged in their process development and then smaller companies who might be moving over to electrification or even an aftermarket company looking to be quite agile and get a product to market before OEMs. Um, so we've got a real nice mix. So in terms of sectors, construction is very much leading the way. Uh, work with JCB has been widely publicised uh, with the, the small electric excavator, but then a whole host of other machines and kind of supporting infrastructure. Um, we've worked well with another British brand, uh, Dennis Mowers, um, who've moved very quickly to selling their electric, fully electric mowers uh, worldwide uh, and are also now developing new models. Um, we've got some bigger uh, multinational customers in Europe um, looking at uh, going into production of electric alternatives to engines for a host of applications from truck-mounted forklifts, transportable refrigeration systems, air compressors, aerial lifts. Uh, and we're also working with a company in the Netherlands uh, called Limac. And what's interesting about what they're doing is that they're actually 
electrifying some quite big excavators with with solely with batteries. Uh, they're going up to nine tons. Um, and they're even developing some quite novel battery swap solutions. And there's a particular need in the Netherlands and a very incentivized market to get all of their construction sites moved over to cleaner technologies. So, yeah, we've been quite um, flexible in, in, in the kind of customers we're working with. And it's, and it's, it's been very interesting. Sounds like you're being kept really busy, Steve, which is uh, great to hear, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> um, yes. So, John, you've mentioned the, the APC roadmap and already Steve's touched a little bit on the adoption of some of the technology. Could you sort of, what do you think are the biggest challenges for the adoption of off-highway solutions? Yeah, good question. So I think the, one, the, the, the thing that gets cited the most is, especially for larger off-highway machines, is the high capex cost of the battery, the big barrier. Um, so with the battery, off-highway equipment that's larger can be around two to three times more expensive. But without the battery, it's only you know twenty percent say more expensive. So some companies are moving to this sort of battery as a service business model, where the user pays per kilowatt hour or megawatt hour of energy it uses. And so the powertrain providers are kind of helping the mine operators or the construction operators by shifting the expense from an upfront capex cost to an operational cost throughout you know the year. And I think that can help reduce the burden of having to you know shell out for the battery upfront. So that's one way. Another challenge um, that is probably more pertinent in off highway and, and some construction is reliability and safety and it's key to maintaining profitability as well so downtime and is lost revenue so ensuring any bev platform minimizes unscheduled downtime and safe because the last thing you want is a massive fire um, especially in closed environments is critical so i think end customers and oems are kind of willing to sacrifice a little bit of density and some cost to ensure reliability and safety on the energy density point, you can kind of see that um, Sandvig, for example, have adopted a sodium nickel chloride battery. So not as energy dense as lithium ion, um, but it's been adopted in some of their minor equipment because it's inherently safer. Um, and then another challenge is, I think, whilst I did say they're willing to sacrifice energy density to safety, there is a need for more energy density for those larger vehicle types. I think when you go above, you know, as Steve said, that nine tons, I really think you need a completely different battery that can both do higher power densities and energy densities. And actually in the APC electrical energy storage roadmap and the cross-sector battery report that was done by KTN, I think we identified this cluster of application that require high energy and high power density. And I think the larger off-highway vehicles sort of fit in that cluster and it needs kind of next-gen chemistries, either solid state or lithium metal anodes or silicon dominant anodes to be able to, to, to have that step change in energy density. And I still think that's five or seven years off. And my final challenge is, I think, to try and get over some of the cynicism or the sort of uh, reticence to adopt these. I think probably providing robust in-use data as well to mine operators or construction people who operate construction sites about the uh, operational costs advantages of running bev uh, diggers and I'll, I'll bet steve has probably more more info on this but so sort of, because there's not many around i suppose there's not many miles or hours that are done with these machines so i think making that more available or having more data is 
there to sort of ensure confidence. Similar what happened with buses, I think. There was loads of data to show it saved money and then it, 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 the uptake's starting to go off now. So those are, I think, some of the challenges. Thank you very much, John. Uh, that was excellent. And thank you again to our brilliant guests and thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed the discussion as much as we did. And don't forget to visit our online hub on ukbatteriesnetwork.org and register to receive our news and updates and participate in the networking area of the hub. Um, you will also find the cross-sector target report that John just referenced on the hub, so please do go check it out. This is the last episode of the series, uh, but we were really pleased to see so much interest in this series, so we will be back. Bye for now. Bye. KTM. Connecting for positive change.